It is the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition, and it lies between the pit of man's fears and the summit of his knowledge. This is Time Enough Podcast. Welcome to Time Enough Podcast. It's where we dive into all of the episodes of the Twilight Zone and beyond. As always, this is Matt here. Coming back for another round uh, is Amisha Harding. Howdy. Hi. And um, yeah, we're talking about changing the guard today, which has to do with going to school, which, hey, you and I went to school together. That's that's not why this episode was chosen for you. By <laughs> I chose this one for you, but that, that's not why, just to let you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious to know why you chose this one for me. It's the reason it's actually kind of boring. Um, <laughs> like, <laughs> we're this is the end of season three. We've been doing season three for a year. It got extended because we did something different during the um, SGA strike. Um, <laughs> But yeah, we've been doing it for a year. Lesson, a uh, lesson, but Sam already think about school. Uh, season four only has 18 episodes. My regulars have already claimed them. So I'm like, if I want to get someone uh, who hasn't been here for a while, this this is the spot. So yay. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> she hasn't been here since season one. I should get her back for one. And season four is going to be a little dodgy. So might call you back for five, but four, I'm like, all me back. To, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a, it got crowded when I started planning it. So very quickly. Which is good, but yeah. That's really good. But, uh, and also because uh, when we did the last episode, you said you, you liked scaring yourself at night with Twilight Zones. So <laughs> it, it seems that we should uh, get a little farther down that path. <laughs> it was something that me and my cousins looked forward to when we were kids. Like we loved staying up and watching ti- Twilight Zone at my grandma's house. Like it was just something to do. And we were like so spooked by it um, or some of the some of the episodes. So it's like a, a childhood memory. Yeah, this one's kind of slight spooky, I guess, just that it has ghostly forms in it. Um, yeah. You know, the the one we did, we did the dummy a few weeks ago, and that's the one where you're like, oh, God, no. <laughs> the, <laughs> the dummy and the uh, the ventriloquist do swap places at the end. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Weird. yeah. And just you're watching, you know, ventriloquist dummies for 25 minutes, too, which is just, that's unsettling on its own. And Yes, it is. I guess no one of this is that un settling i mean all the kids are just like whatever they're just there yeah you put some war gore on them i guess but yeah yeah i was like if they had like war gore and you could tell the way that they'd left this world like that would be kind of creepy but it was they did it really nice and not so not so spooky this time yeah i'll, I'll, I'll have a few things to say about that as i should because that's what we're doing yes <laughs> uh let me do a little bit of trivia about this one the original air date was June 1st, 1962. The script is by Rod Serling. Be ashamed to die until you have won some victory for humanity was the motto of Serling's alma mater, Antioch College. By the time this episode aired, Serling had started teaching at Antioch. And only hmm. showing up on the Twilight Zone set occasionally. Okay. Robert Ellis Miller directed for this episode only. He worked in both film and television with titles like The Buttercup Chain and Sweet November under his belt. 
Professor Ellis Fowler was played by Donald Pleasance. He is best known as Dr. Ernst Blofield in You Only Live Twice and as Dr. Sam Loomis in Halloween. This was his U.S. debut at age uh, 42. So, 42? Old, yeah, the old professor is only 42 in this. <laughs> Gosh, how does that make me feel? <laughs> Well, look at the, I, I'm watching these on Blu-ray, uh, and the uh, amount of makeup on his face is noticeable when oh you watch it gosh. in HD, so. <laughs> well, you 42. can get back to me about how his acting is then, because maybe, yeah. maybe you bought him as older, I don't know. <laughs> Liam Sullivan was the headmaster. We've already seen him in the episode The Silence, and he guested all around early 60s television. Was he on Perry Mason? You bet he was. Later, he was a Timothy Leary surrogate character on Dragnet. Mrs. Landers was Philip Bevins. This is among her few. Her, this is among her few filmed appearances, but she was involved with the original Broadway run of My Fair Lady, with her voice heard on the original cast recording. Although I've never heard the original cast recording of My Fair Lady because I've never seen or listened to it. So, nor have I. I'm not the biggest musical guy. I don't know. <laughs> I actually like musicals. Yeah. Well, what's your favorite then? Oh, goodness. I used to watch The Sound of Music with my mom every single year. Um, like when it came on television and knew all the songs. So I think that's one of my favorite just because I loved it from childhood. And then I went to see The Lion King on Broadway uh, some years ago, like maybe seven years ago. And that was amazing. That was such an amazing experience. Oh, yeah. Just the production. Actually, I'm going to a musical next month, which is uh, being in Japan, uh, an oddball one, I guess. Are you familiar with an anime called uh, Jojo's Bizarre Adventure? That sounds familiar. No, I'm just coming straight up. I know nothing about it. Um, uh -huh. Other dude in this podcasting network, Luke, his, his girlfriend's all into it. So he's been learning about JoJo. But yeah, my daughter loves it. So we're going to see this musical based on it in Tokyo okay. next month. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go. I'm not, I'm not even going to study what this thing is. I'm just going to show up for the musical, have them and sing to me in Japanese, doing whatever happens in this. And uh, to see if I can, you know, get my mind blown by, you know. That's going like to be cool. Yeah, it's like if you got to go watch, say, like, you know, the original Star Wars, knowing nothing about it. I mean, that'd be cool. Yeah. That would be cool. Can't get away with that anymore. <laughs> no, you I'm can't. Throwing up on the board here, the prologue, if you could give that any reading you'd like. Professor Ellis Fowler, a gentle bookish guide to the young who is about to discover that life still has certain surprises and that the campus of the Rock Spring School for Boys lies on a direct path to another institution commonly referred to as the Twilight Zone. All right. Okay. So, I don't know. I guess I, I think we would do it a little differently today. Just ask for your first impressions on what you saw. <laughs> oh, goodness. I mean, you know, in this day and age, seeing this, compared to like being a kid, like I wasn't thinking about some of the topics that I'm thinking about now, but I was like, ageism, like, <laughs> I was like why are they discriminating against this man because of his age? Um, and I just like, I thought about the ways that so many people are so connected to their work that once they retire or are forced to retire, it's like they kind of just give up on life because their whole life was built around work. 
And it made me think about that and think about how many people are dealing with that all the time. Like sometimes you hear that people retired and, you know, a year later they're dead. And it's like, why? But so many people, their identity is wrapped up in work. Um, and then I just, I love the the message about like, what does it mean to make a meaningful contribution? Like, do you have to be a war general or do you have to be the next Oprah? Or could you have taught kids things like loyalty and courage? And that's what we saw. And I thought that was really beautiful for people to understand like, what is a meaningful contribution to the world and to a life and to really hear them say those words, like you taught me loyalty, you taught me courage, you taught me patriotism. Um, I think that that was, that was a really positive and really powerful. The thing that kind of unsettled me about that though, and th this is going to have to do with some other Rod Serling things we've, we've watched recently. So I'll, I'll have to explain yeah. that to you a little bit, but uh, Serling's known for in the early 60s being pretty progressive i mean obviously yeah. today there's there's some hot and cold but um he, he was in world war ii he's a paratrooper and i feel like that kind of skewed his vision a little bit because like mm. you said why aren't they covered in war gore and stuff and i'm like all these guys learned about loyalty and courage and then died in battle they all died like that's what i was thinking too like <laughs> all of them all your students are dead. Like, <laughs> right. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of living ones too, but um, yeah, but that was so, a lot. Watching again last night I was happy that there's at least the one guy who accidentally, you know, radioactively killed himself trying to trying to figure out a cure for cancer. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, yeah, that's a little different, but that, and then one person, um, I don't think they were in battle. They were in the military, but saved somebody who died in the process, you know? But yes. It's still like all these people had to go to, war uh, war one into judging by the class states they're saying and, yeah uh, you know it's like what he taught them led them to their deaths or they died more happy i don't know that that was kind of for me uh, like uh, yeah on the, on the surface oh yeah they, he taught them about loyalty and courage that's great i'm like yeah but what yeah. happened wasn't so great no it really wasn't but maybe he was able to help them understand like these values so they saw purpose in their their death maybe right i mean it just seems like there's probably four times as many living students who could give him more positive stories maybe not as ghosts that's the thing here they have to be ghosts in this so yeah because that, that wouldn't be twilight zone if there weren't ghosts well we found some that weren't so uh supernaturally yeah but yeah yeah they, they gotta add that supernatural element or it doesn't make sense if his students just start you know if a bunch of his students show up to give him a farewell party and tell him that's more realistic, but less interesting yeah. to watch. Um, the the other one, and, and the reason that it really stuck to me watching this is uh, for Christmas, we watched his 1964 movie, Carol for Another Christmas, which mm -hmm. is kind of like a, you know, like a, a Christmas Carol vibe thing uh, with no Christmas trees or uh, imagery in it, which was interesting. But mm. it, it follows the Dickens story, you know, very roughly with, yeah. past, present, future, but it's just no Christmas imagery because this was meant as a special to teach people to uh, love the UN, which, you know, mm. and, and one thing that's fine, but the, the thing that sat weird with us is, again, the war thing, where I think today we're like, oh, we should, you know, wouldn't it be nice if we could, like, stop wars before they happen or, you know, prevent yeah. wars from happening? And see, I think that's how people generally think now. 
where this yeah. 1964 thing was like, well, we're going to have war, so let's at least do it orderly under the UN. True. <laughs> so, yeah. And, and that's why I think watching this one, I just watched that. Now I'm seeing this. I'm like, here's a part of Rod that maybe doesn't fit so well into modern society. That mm. that makes sense. We're definitely anti, anti-war yeah. these so, days. And I just thought this was an interesting Twilight Zone is uh, being a very good episode, very well acted. Uh, yeah. The production's good. It's shot well, blah, blah, blah. I'm like this. The message of this one actually sits weird with me. <laughs> yeah, it does. Like it, it is interesting that they didn't have students that are here and now, like talking about the contributions that he's made and um. I don't know. I found it interesting that they really made sure to hone in on the fact like that he like forgot to check his mail, but he remembered all of his students. Like he remembered their faces. He remembered something about them, um, which just makes it the whole, it makes the whole ageism thing just like more blatant and in your face because clearly he remembers a lot and he loves his job and he loves his students and they love him and they find value in him. But nobody in the present day is like talking about that but they call him weird beard what was weird his name beard. Yeah, weird, weird beard that's right like <laughs> it was a little weird i mean i guess he kind of beat nicky beard for the time <laughs> yeah yeah weird beard not not i mean i, I guess you know i've been called worse but <laughs> but it's just interesting that like the value wasn't seen in the the present but then they came to sing and carol for him at the end which was right. nice oh, more carols yeah oh yeah a little more christmas i guess yeah that <laughs> was christmas nice was and that, i guess that was the present day appreciation of him the the students coming out to to carol for him and being there at, at his house and at his home for the holidays and um you know he was so full of energy because of that uh my my other thought is much snarkier is that this is a prep school with very affluent students. And I was thinking, eh, if their daddies are centers, a lot of these kids aren't going to one in the first place. <laughs> oh, good thought. <laughs> like, we're not getting a good cross-section here. We're definitely getting, you know, like, prep school vibes, dead poet society vibes here. Definitely. Definitely. And would they really be going to war? Hmm. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're the people that they tend to find a loophole for, you know? <laughs> yeah. Very true. Flat feet something like <laughs> so someone from a very rural school or, or from a you know like a, a lower school they're just uh getting they're just these guys get to die with a gleam in their eye of loyalty whereas some of these other people are just grist for the mill you know true very so, true i don't know very why true. this one has me thinking so pessimistically <laughs> but this is what it's supposed to do like i think when we look at these shows from a different lens and a different time. Like that's what we're supposed to do is think about it. Like it was interesting to me that, I mean, as a, when I was a kid watching Twilight Zone, I was like, you know, eight, nine, whatever age I was, I definitely wasn't thinking about topics like, you know, wealthy folks versus lower class folks or ageism. Like I wasn't thinking about any of that. Um, yeah, so here's some kids it, in school. I'm in school. Yeah, so here's that. some kids in school, and these kids are ghosts. So now I'm going to go to uh, to bed scared, and that's what I was thinking about. But 
Yeah, I think I love the I love the different layers of this episode and the different ways that you can you can go with how you think about it and dissect it. And um, when it started, I actually wondered, you know, they they make uh, the doctor or the professor to be a a sympathetic figure. But yeah. at the beginning, his teacher again, it might be because I've seen Dead Poet Society. I'm like, his teaching's pretty dry. I thought he was going to turn out to be the old curmudgeon. Which uh, yeah, maybe that's a cool twist that the show does. That maybe that's why he's acting that way at the beginning. Because I'm like, he's not a very dynamic teacher at age seventy, whatever. <laughs> no, but he has that. You know, you can tell that he has some kindness to him or some lightness to him because he's like, okay, I'm gonna let you guys go early. You know, it's the beginning of the break. It's you know, we're we're getting ready to break for Christmas, and I think that a lot of old miserable <laughs> mean teachers wouldn't have done that no so it's like showing his underheads just before that but exactly <laughs> <laughs> like what's a dunderhead i love the word dunderhead <laughs> <laughs> and what, what, there was the, what was the other one here that i um i think it's one of those words that's been used like twice in recent episodes uh-huh. uh one, one recent one we came across was discombobulated which apparently is a weir- real word uh, perspicacious. I was like, no one uses that casually. I don't think I knew that Never. word. Yeah. No, I that's have, not I even subtitles that. on. I wouldn't call it if I didn't have the subtitles on. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't even learn that for hot words for the SIT in, in language arts class. We did not learn that one. <laughs> Could I guess that one? If I got four choices, I, pay, I mean, that's the, come on. That's why you get a good score on the SAT. You're real good at guessing. I mean, they, that's what they basically teach you, isn't it? <laughs> get Pretty good much. At guessing and you'll get a good score. So. Mr. Austin taught us Latin roots, which was how we learned a lot of words. Those those Latin roots got me through. Oh, there we go. Okay, there we go. That yes. was an older teacher that you and I both had taught us that. Yeah. In Japan, no one knows about the Latin and Greek roots. So especially with adult students, I, I don't have many of now. But if I have adult students, I might like, dude, study that and you'll know half the words you see, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Without without a doubt. Like I I continue to be grateful for those Mr. Austin classes because of that. And just to paint this for a listener, this, this was a bizarre classroom with um, uh, lamps and, and couches. So yes, <laughs> Which is yeah, cool. I, whole... I hate fluorescent lights. So I was down with the lighting scheme. <laughs> Same. Yeah. Mr. Austin was a very uh, forward thinker, thinking teacher who, you know, he taught us in ways that most kids weren't learning back then. And he taught us things that we need to know. Like I learned the five paragraph essay from Mr. Austin. I would not have mastered that were it not for Mr. Austin. There's something else that I am teaching because I mean, they do the simpler versions for an ESL test, but it's still the yeah. same thing, you know? And uh, you know, you can't say the same thing twice. If you write two sentences with different words, that mean the same thing. It's not good enough. <laughs> no. So, okay. So there is a better than I didn't, end up going into you know afghanistan and getting my head blown off while thinking about how loyal i was i'm teaching japanese people latin roots and five paragraph essays that that seems i don't know better i guess less twilight zone, yeah though, isn't it <laughs> as a teacher like do you feel that that your past students have a deeper appreciation for you than your current students like what we saw with with professor fowler I wouldn't necessarily say that. Um, again, I, I, it's also Japan where like people actually have more like respect for teachers, I guess. Mm. You know, like, I mean, you know, sensei, right? 
uh, yeah. since, you know, so usually I'd, I'd be like Harding's on, for, but if you're a teacher or a doctor or a, you know, a lawyer, so they're putting the teachers in with the, not necessarily paying them like the doctors and lawyers, but in the respect camp, it's, it's, it's all sensei if they're a doctor or a teacher or like a, you know, a lawyer or something. So really there's a higher respect level, I think for teachers. Yeah. Uh, also, I mean, there's teachers that work at high schools and elementary schools that just work way too much. You're just always there. So mm. they're, they're putting in like 60 hour weeks and that that's not cool. Um, no, <laughs> it's not. It, I mean, they are putting in like way too much work. So yeah, sure. I guess they deserve that title, but <laughs> they do. That's insane. But hmm. uh, that said, of course, I have, you know, recently I've noticed a bunch of kids have learned the F word, which I'm guessing is from a chap. I'm just I don't know where, but may, I'm thinking there must be a recent Japanese comedy act, because when there's a popular comedy act, like mm -hmm. you'll have kids doing it for like months. And I'm like, and, and on Japanese TV, you could you could drop an F bomb, I think. And people just really well, it's not it doesn't have the cultural stock. They don't know the language. Right. Oh, um, that makes sense. So if I get annoyed with a kid for saying it, sometimes they have they really don't understand why I'm annoyed at them because <laughs> they mm. don't understand. Uh, Japanese doesn't have particularly dirty words. I mean, there's ones you wouldn't want to say in you know just any company, but there's not anything that's just like you know do not say this uh, unless you're behind certain boundaries. <laughs> wow, interesting. Huh. But, uh, I mean, that's why I told oh, was I had a, I had a we we're playing um, some game and, and the, the, the cute 14 year old junior high girl, not not my daughter, a student was, yeah, it was, was the F bomb at her at the other classmate. And like, hey, don't do it outside the room. Don't do it now. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and she wasn't doing it maliciously. Right. It was just, uh -huh. she, was just she was trying to be funny. <laughs> really? Yeah. So. <laughs> Wow. I mean, yeah, from well, our perspective, doing that in junior high, just trying to be funny, like, is, doesn't make sense. But no, but now it's so common the way that, that kids curse. Like, it's so common around adults. It's so very, very common. So I wouldn't be surprised, like, with people just dropping F bombs, like, for fun. Yeah. Like, again, Japanese, there's no particularly dirty words. But if I do hear kids, uh, you know, like, saying something like that i might say oh could you tell me that in english to which point they kind of like shrink back a little bit uh, like oh crap he actually knows what i'm saying <laughs> tell them to not say the f word tell them to say dunderhead instead yeah 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 <laughs> teach them some dunderhead that's good so <laughs> let's go with dunderhead dunderhead but no yeah i, I was gonna bring up mr austin if you hadn't done it first because i feel like that maybe that's our closest analogy to this as a guy that had probably been asked to retire a few times previously you know mm. <laughs> or not oh god um i'm on a permanent contract now but my first 10 years in japan was a yearly contract and ew, oh. we'll talk about nasty yeah because this guy was like I, i'm always on a yearly contract so i didn't open the mail because i just get one it's like well until you don't so <laughs> right and he said he hadn't checked his mail in like two weeks that was that was so sad that was no. so very sad. He hadn't ordered anything from Amazon. Why would he check his mail? True. <laughs> <laughs> nothing, nothing you want's coming. Why bother? <laughs> right. Right. And I was wondering, like, do you, I guess he lived in campus housing, maybe? That, yeah, because he walks outside and he's so close to go to. Yeah, yeah. Because I was like, so campus housing comes with. A maid too, probably, I would assume. Like all of that was included maybe as a part of his 
work? I wonder. That goes back like to my, he, my plot hole that none of these kids would have actually gone to war because the schools. Yeah, because I'm like, what teacher can afford to have a maid that lives in and like cooks his dinner and stuff like that? The house yeah, I mean, with sure at Cambridge, they work that out for you, but yeah, just exactly. Uh, but uh, so I don't know losing losing the the job could have been a lot more than just that. It was it would also mean his housing. It would also mean his his help, um, et cetera, et cetera. So I guess they, it was. They did say he was going to be on half salary, which yeah isn't bad, if, especially I guess yeah it's the '60s. Social Security's working now, so. Yeah. You get social security, you get your half salary. Like the headmaster, that's the thing. The headmaster is not a villain in this at all. He's just no. like, they've made this decision, man. Uh, you know, like in Japan, again, with a lot of foreign workers work on yearly contracts. And when you don't get that yearly contract, it's like bye bye. If you're lucky, they'll give you, you know, a little bonus on the way out the door. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you think that the the bells chiming? Was that the Twilight Zone or did it actually happen? Like, what do you think about the bells chiming that made him, you know, put the gun down and go inside to his classroom? Well, uh, actually, uh, I'm going to use that to just start doing the questions I ask in every episode because you're, you're getting right at it. Uh, the okay. first question being, uh, and you can include the bells with us if you like, uh, who in this episode went in or through the Twilight Zone? Um so Definitely you're saying the bells the are from the zone? Like the bells, because he was saying there's no assembly, there's nothing happening. Why are those bells chiming? And it was, I think the bells chiming was his his, you know, invitation, I guess, to the Twilight Zone, because there was no reason for the bells to be chiming, I guess. Or are they only in his head? Is I guess what we should be wondering. Or does, Which is, is you the know Twilight Zone. Is he dreaming out in the snow? Is he actually going into his classroom? <laughs> Could have been dreaming at home. I, I guess what we're saying is we're firmly sending Professor Ellis Fowler into the Twilight Zone this episode. And yeah. you, know, you can work out the semantics of how, how it's actually working out physically and things. Yeah. But <laughs> True. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I do like that the bells are kind of an invocation, you know, when the Twilight Zone segment starts that they chime yeah. and when it finishes they chime again and and the boys yeah. are gone so <laughs> so yeah i would for sure say that is is there anyone else you want to include i mean if you're dead does that make you go are all these boys that died in war and doing cancer research in the in the twilight zone or are they in uh the great beyond or is that the same thing you know <laughs> i feel like it's kind of the same thing like i feel like the twilight zone is that place of unknown that unknown place and the beyond is unknown heaven is unknown hell is unknown because if you're there then typically you don't come back except for the people that do these books that you know i've been to hell and let me tell you all about it but most people don't give a report back so we don't know so twilight zone the beyond i think it's all the same thing yeah, a few months ago we did a little girl lost uh and what kind of what stood made that episode stand out? It's the only episode where they, you know, drew some lines on the wall and had a door directly into the Twilight Zone, went in, mm. and then came back out. And we we're like, that's a weird literal one. Where I do like this one having the invocation. You know, again, I'm, I do hear temple bells and things like that in Japan sometimes. Oh, well, churches have chimes, so yeah, you know, it is a general signal that, and 
and in, in a school, of course, it's for the assembly or for the next class. But in other contexts, it is like, here is a, a sound to let you know that we are leaving the normal world. So, yeah, that that definitely was the way that I knew, like, OK, yes, they are they are going into the twilight zone. It has to be because he was about to kill himself. Right. So, yeah, like for him to stop that, that was some other worldly pull to another place to keep him from making that, that um, taking that action. 1962, where we just keep a revolver in our desk as a matter of course. <laughs> I was like, why does he have a revolver in his desk? So this is like the fourth revolver in a desk we've seen. Of course, the last time we saw it was, uh, I think, Long Live Water Jameson, which to be fair, was a thousand year old guy who, you know, might need it at some point. Yeah. <laughs> this is just a relatively normal professor. At least he didn't keep it in his school desk. <laughs> True, that would be kind of odd. <laughs> it's in the little 1962 version of discipline. You wave a gun at your students. And nothing be, would happen. No, they'd be like, great job, Professor. Those kids are really <laughs> under control. Exactly. They, it wouldn't even make the news. Nobody would care. It's just like, hey, that's what you got to do. Keep the kids in line. Keep I mean, the dunderheads in line. I'm, I, I'm still living in a world where I don't, you know, we don't have metal detectors on uh, schools or anything. The, mm -hmm. Things do. What, what is it, the Japanese things in the news? Usually, like, um, weird stabbings and stuff. People just go crazy and stab somebody. Mm -hmm. But okay. that happens. I think that happens in the states. Just doesn't make the news. <laughs> no, because there's so much worse things that happen in the states that make the news. It's not the first time we've done this in episode. But let's see what the old crime blotter has today for the for Japan today. <laughs> mm. Sometimes this is sometimes this is really like oh well, and sometimes it's quite amusing. Man arrested for attempting to set fire to his apartment in Hokkaido. Okay, that's mildly funny. He tried to set okay. Fire as long as there him. were no other were there other people in the apartment, that could be bad. Set fire to apartment. It does say apartment where he lives, so that you know it's an apartment. Other people could be in there. More murder. Execs of fruit sales company arrested for fraudulently falsifying Apple export documents. That, that's in the headlines. <laughs> really? Man arrested for breaking the software of school says he thought it was his home. <laughs> that, okay. that could have been this guy. He could have been so innocent. at his school and been like, oh, I thought this was my house. No, your house is across oh. the field because you live on campus. He's just overworked. That's all that is. And I am skipping over a few, like, not as fun headlines here, too, by the way. But mm. <laughs> I'm trying to keep it to the fun ones because, yeah, the, you know, crime is crime. So it can get ugly quickly. I'm looking at our headlines. I just typed in crimes in the U.S. today, and I'm seeing plastic surgery helped murder suspect Caitlin Armstrong stay on the run. Let's see. Show episode. Alabama's nitrogen gas execution expired. Let's see. Trial against Michigan school shooters. Mom. These are awful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, that's this. We got school shootings where we have we do have random stabbings. And, you know, people do go nuts. Uh, we were talking about how the school system here does have a certain amount of pressure with all those entrance exams and stuff. So, yeah, that's a uh, lot. Yeah, it's just a different flavor. And then this is a completely different flavor. Again, I'm all I can compare this to is uh dead poet society because yeah definitely didn't go to school so 
Although weirdly, my dad did go to that school, which really <laughs> the one that they filmed Deadpool Society at, I believe he went to that one. So really, <laughs> yeah, his wow. dad was a doctor. So yeah, they sent him to the prep school. Okay, interesting. So I guess I'm a little. I have a little closer uh, orbit to that Mercersburg. That, that's what it's called. Okay, but uh, mm. yeah, I have a little little closer than that than I think. But I didn't have those experiences, so I don't understand them at all. You know? Yeah. Other than the fact I watched that movie, which is probably not correct either. And I don't know. I don't know if you popped into a school in 1962, how different it would be. Uh, hmm. I want, I think it'd be a lot like what like that boys' school prep school. I think it'd be a lot like what we saw in that episode for sure yeah yeah because they're a little the kids are a little snarky i guess so that you know if they were just listening that that would be unrealistic um, true so does this professor deserve his trip to the twilight zone definitely i think that um you know had it not been for that trip to the twilight zone he was ready to just kind of give up he didn't see his value. He didn't see his worth outside of working day to day. He didn't see being a teacher as anything that was monumental and significant. Um, and he was able to see through the the ghost of his students that he had played a major role, a very significant role in, in his students' lives. And I guess you could say in the lives of heroes. He wasn't. And I think there was a part where he said something about something alluding to the fact that he was a part of doing some significant things. He may not have done them, but he contributed. So it was, if he hadn't had that trip to the twilight zone, he, he probably would just given up. And I think that he was a, a good person with a great heart who really cared about his students. And um, he deserved that opportunity to have another life beyond, you know, being a teacher. Yeah. I mean, maybe he needs a good hobby. So <laughs> Exactly. I mean, I'm thinking about me, like, uh, I, I said I have a, a permanent contract, but I think it does say age 60 is when it expires, which is uh, 15 years in the future. It's not that far. But um, yeah. what am I going to do? Well, I make a lot of music. I do a lot of podcasts. And it's not like I don't have things to do, uh, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but it seems like busy. he didn't. Like, that was his life. School and those boys were his life. And it didn't allude to the fact that he had kids or was married or anything. He had a housekeeper that, you know, I guess looks like he spent time with. Right. Yeah. 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 They cooked his dinner and that's probably who he ate his meals with. And, you know, that was his other company in his actual home. So it seemed like maybe this, hopefully this will give him the, the, the inclination, the motivation to, to have a hobby, do something else, which is a message that a lot of people need to, have as they get older and think about retirement like it can get very lonely and you can start to feel like you don't have purpose anymore so it's important that you have other outlets and other things to do you know when i did teach more adults at my old job uh one of the higher level books i remember had an article that the students were supposed to read and we talked about 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 hiroshi who just retired and he was always like oh i'll be able to travel with my wife now but eh, they have some money but they don't have that much money i'll have to do it in japan oh and his wife has friends she's always busy so he mm. she doesn't have time for him and he doesn't know what to do and then there's a picture of him sitting alone on a bench in a park oh no <laughs> so sad but that's kind of this episode you know except he doesn't even have a wife he has a housekeeper yeah 
yeah, that's 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 that can be a very lonely existence. So, so I think maybe he still has to use this opportunity to uh, make some some sense out of the rest of his life because he's yeah. happy while those carolers are out there. But, you know, some, some post seasonal depression, you know. Oh, gosh. Yeah. 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 So he's, he's he has a chance here, but I don't think it's like, oh, this guy's fine now. He's going to need to, actually, no. you know, take some, some initiative not to just like stagnate. Which exactly. I mean, you, you, that it's a hopeful feeling to the end of the episode. So you assume he will, but we don't know. Yeah, that. <laughs> it seems like he has the energy to do it now. He has the 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 like just the the energy and the desire to do something now. Before he just seemed like life is over. I give up. It's not worth living. I don't even want to eat my dinner. I don't want to do anything. And now he's you know windows open talking to the children accepting the wonderful holiday carols and it just seems like he got like this this new take on life this energy that he didn't have before because he knows now that his life had and has purpose so yeah like i said it was just a little bit of like the messaging in this one i was like am i completely cool with this but it is interesting just how 60 years like alters what you're watching i mean that's that's a while oh, ago, yeah you know so yeah uh i have my tripometer zero is not trippy at all five is extremely trippy where would you like to place this episode on the tripometer and that's not quality that's trippiness this one wasn't really that trippy to me i would say the low end like maybe a two on the tripometer that's kind of where i was thinking two or 2.5 because yeah you mentioned the bells that I felt that segment was had at least like a nice, a little bit of trippiness, you know, people, the ghosts appearing in the desk and then disappearing again. Oh, okay. I mean, it's kind of standard stuff. It's nothing like you haven't seen it before in 1962, but yeah, it, it makes a cool atmosphere and I'm willing to call the atmosphere, uh, give it a point or two for that. Sure. Yeah, I think so. And I think if they didn't have the bells and he had just walked into the classroom, then it may have been a little bit trippier because it. I feel like the bells announced to us that something was happening. So it's like we were prepared for whatever he was about to experience because the bells were our our way to know this is something's about to happen. Right, right. And again, just as a temple or church bell is like, okay, we're changing the setting of your reality for whatever we're doing here. This episode does that. So it's almost like a some kind of ceremonies happening. Yeah. Agreed. A changing of the guard. That's the ceremony that's happening. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very, very. <laughs> it's right in my face, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is. That is the ceremony. <laughs> Burp. Okay. That works. Dunderhead. That works. Yeah. I am a dunderhead <laughs> for that one. It's in the title of the episode. What do you talk about for a while? I, I told you I'm doing the Space 1999 episodes where we're always like, the, the episode titles are like on the wrong episode and the other half are like interchangeable. So. <laughs> wow. Like, we're like, how could it be the one where they all get de-evolved into, like, prehistoric cavemen? Why is that one not Missing Link? That's a different <laughs> episode. That doesn't make sense. I got to check this out. All on YouTube. So, yeah. Okay. I, I, I guess I'll um, I guess I'll segue that into my plug where I'll tell people where they can check that out. But uh, do you have anything rolling that you want people to know about on the Nets these days? Not really. I've been recording some podcasts, cast episodes for my own podcast, um, but I want to get a lot of them recorded before I launch it because I don't want the pressure of having to scramble and come up with 
things and guests every week. So um, been working on that, um, which I'm excited about. And it's just kind of creating a space for folks um, to share like tr- struggles and 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 the ways and the the reasons why they got through it. But the idea that like so many c- human experiences connect us. And it's those human experiences that we need to share more of. And that's the the premise of the podcast. But I'm just recording now and then we'll figure out when I'm going to launch once I get some more recordings under my belt. We'll send a link and I can put it in the show notes, even if we're not okay. calling it out by name at the moment. So because okay. you know, it's a good. twilight zone. People pop in like a year later and listen. <laughs> <laughs> by that time, it, you know, you'd be like, why am I talking about so vaguely? Yeah. <laughs> As for the ones I'm doing, uh, as I said several times, I do too much podcasting. There's this, it's Time Enough Podcast on on the socials. Uh, on Patreon, it's Podcastio Podcastius, where we do a whole lot of ones. Podcast 1999, about that Space 1999 show. Films and Filth, where we look at the top 100 and bottom 100 films as rated by IMDb users. One, one week's a good one, next week's a bad one. Supposedly, we found that's not always the case. <laughs> and uh, there's some video game stuff like Luke Loves Pokemon, Hyrule Field Report, and the Game Game Show, which I appeared on a few weeks ago. I'm not usually on that one, but it's it's gamer adjacent where they ask questions that gamers just assume everyone knows, but maybe maybe people don't know, which I did okay. in all of them. There were definitely things I didn't know. I was worse at the music round, weirdly enough. It's like... Huh. We hear video game music. That sounds familiar. I can't quite place it. (laughs) Interesting. Okay. Well, after a long season three of the Twilight Zone, I guess we're going to change up the guards a bit here and uh, finally get into season four. So uh, for the listener, uh, there there probably will be a a two or three week hiatus and then we will be back pretty shortly. To break on through that Easter shell Bastard broke on the third of fifth degree And back across that edge green sea Spell with electricity By sinking lake and better me Control the facets of opposition Get the way you open your mind According to the Smell the smell of weird electricity. I 
open your mind. 